2,000 years ago, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Do you think he would say the same thing today when it comes to workers and leadership in his church? During this month of June, as you probably know, we nominate and choose those who will lead Woodmont Christian Church for the coming year. And the church year begins July the 1st. So Clay has chosen during this month of June to focus in the sermons on the topic of leadership, especially as we are taught about it in the New Testament letters of 1st and 2nd Timothy. So when it came my turn to preach while he's uh, on, on a trip, um, I was given the topic again and told where to get it and what to preach about. But in the little freedom I have, I want to begin by sharing with you some of my favorite thoughts when it comes to church members and church leaders, things that I've accumulated over the years. And the first one is uh, a description of the kind of church member that the Lord really loves. And I'll add every preacher loves too. Such a church member says, this is my church. It is composed of people like me. It will be friendly if I am friendly. Its pews will be filled if I help fill them. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am a generous giver. It will bring other people into worship and fellowship if I bring them in. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of fearlessness and faith, and a church with a noble spirit if I, who make it what it is, am filled with these things. Therefore, with the help of God, I dedicate myself to the task of being all the things that I want my church to be. Your church is what you are, because you are the church. So do you see why the Lord loves church members like that and preachers love them too? But let's be honest, not all church members are that way. Do you know who most church members would prefer to lead their church if they had their choice? That infamous somebody else. There are always those who are willing to let somebody else do God's work rather than do it themselves. So listen to the following poem and see if it's not descriptive of some church members. There's a clever young fellow named somebody else. There's nothing that fellow can't do. He's busy from morning till late at night just substituting for you. You are asked to do this or asked to do that. And what is your reply? Oh, why pick on me? Get somebody else. He'll do a much better job than I. You've a worn out excuse on the tip of your tongue, too busy to do something or other, when really the truth of the matter is you simply don't want to bother. So much to do in this weary old world, so much and the workers are few, and somebody else is all tired out just substituting for you. 
It is time that this faithful old somebody else gets a much needed vacation. Suppose you start substituting for him and build your own reputation. Next time you are asked to do something worthwhile, just give them this ready reply. If somebody else gives time and support, my goodness, so can I. You'll be surprised how much joy you'll find helping wherever you can. Of course, you'll get weary and tired and worn, but you'll be a better woman or man. Of course, there's a major problem and a great danger when church members rely on somebody else to do all the work. Not only does it keep others from experiencing and inheriting the blessing of doing it themselves, but what happens when somebody else is no longer there? Listen to the following obituary. It's entitled, Somebody Else Suddenly Dies. The church was saddened to learn this week of the sudden and unexpected death of one of our congregation's most active members, somebody else. Somebody else's passing creates a vacancy and it will be difficult to fill. Else has been with us for years and for every one of those years, somebody did far more than a normal person's share of the work. Whenever leadership was mentioned, this wonderful person was looked to for inspiration and results. Somebody else can work with that group, or somebody else can teach that class, or somebody else can chair that committee, we so often said. When there was a job to do, a class to teach, a meeting to attend, we always said, let somebody else do it. It was common knowledge that somebody else was amongst the largest givers to the church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone assumed that somebody else would step up and meet it. Somebody else was a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman, but a person can only do so much. Were the truth known, everybody expected too much of somebody else. Now that somebody else is gone, we wonder what we're going to do. Somebody else was a wonderful example to follow, but who is going to follow it? Who is going to do the things we were always willing to let somebody else do? This means, of course, that we can no longer depend on somebody else to do everything for us. If all the areas of ministry are going to be taken care of, then we must do it together. So this month we will install in a couple more weeks those who will be chosen to lead Woodmont for the next year, those who are willing to be that somebody else here in this church. And as we do so, I ask what does the Bible have to say about the characteristics and the qualities of those who lead Christ's church? And specifically in First and Second Timothy, we read a lot about that. Here are a few of the qualities that, that we will continue to develop during this series of sermons. You just heard Ann read uh, verses 1 to 13 of chapter 3, which gave you many characteristics of elders and deacons. But throughout Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy, there are many teachings about 
what leaders of the church should be like. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, a Christian leader must not be a lover of money, for the love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, a Christian leader must always pursue righteousness. 2 Timothy 1.8 says, never be ashamed of the gospel. 2 Timothy 2.1, a Christian leader is strong in God's grace. 2 Timothy 2.15, a Christian leader is a worker approved by God. So as I said, we will continue to focus on these things that Timothy says about Christian leadership in the sermons throughout this month of June. But I would like to uh, keep us focused on this topic today by sharing some things that others have said and what I myself feel are important about what Christian leaders are truly like in the 21st century. Dr. Dale Galloway, a great preacher and teacher of church leadership, said there are six things a true leader must have. They must have a clear vision, credibility, confidence, character, courage, and commitment. He liked alliteration. In addition to these six qualities, Dr. John Maxwell, who is the widely recognized guru on leadership today, says leaders must also have generosity, initiative, the ability to listen, the ability to develop good relationships, self-discipline, servanthood, and teachability. All these qualities certainly are important for Christian leadership in the church today. But I want to quickly share with you this morning some qualities that I personally feel are of utmost importance in leading the church in the 21st century. <clears throat> First and most important to me, a leader not only has good ideas, but a leader makes them happen. In my 50 plus years of ministry, I've never seen a lack of ideas in the church. Yet the problem today is everybody's got their ideas, but most are not willing to carry them out. Only a few are willing to take charge and make things happen. Those are the leaders. The rest would just let somebody else do it. As Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And to make things happen, leaders have to show up. And to me, showing up means being on time, whether it's for meetings or worship or small groups or whatever you participate in. A second important leadership quality that I think has been lost or maybe buried in our culture today is a positive spirit, a spirit that can always see what is right, what is good in everything and in everybody, a spirit that builds up rather than criticizing and tearing down. I've been formulating several theories about why I think our country and our world today are in the shape that we're in with all of the violence, the divisiveness, discontent, anxiety, and depression. 
<clears throat> we have let the 21st century terrorists, that is TV news anchors, convince us to only look at what's wrong, what bad things are happening in the world, but rarely do they point out what's right. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter four, that wonderful chapter on positive thinking, that we should choose to look for what is good and what is true, what is beautiful, what is honorable in life, rather than always looking for what's wrong. But since we've decided to ignore teachings like that in the Bible, and instead we're gonna follow the TV terrorists, our nation and our world are full of anger, frustration, depression, and, growing, and a growing epidemic of killings and suicides. What you choose to look for in life is what you're going to find. And what you choose to look for is gonna determine your attitude toward life, and that will determine how you feel as you live from day to day, and how you even feel about yourself. So choose what is positive so that you're gonna feel positive. Now, if you accomplish those first two things, stepping up and taking charge and looking for what is good and true and right, then you'll be ready to accomplish the real work of a leader. And that is having influence and the ability to motivate others. I've always loved what I heard John Maxwell say decades ago before he became a famous leadership guru. when he said, if you think you're a leader and nobody's following, you're just out taking a walk. True leaders make a difference in influencing others in a positive way. And when people say, well, what can I do in light of all the problems in our world today? I say, just live as Christ taught you to live in a positive way, in a loving way, in a caring way, treating anybody you come into contact with every day in a positive, loving, caring way. And if we all did more of that, it would begin to wave out and begin to change our culture. Since I'm running out of time this morning, let me quickly mention the other uh, characteristics of leadership that I think are so important in this modern world. Number one, or number four is really a true leader accepts responsibility. They don't wait to be asked to do something. They see what needs to be done and they step up and they do it. And so if they are chosen and agree to be an elder or a deacon or a committee member, they accept the responsibility. They do what is expected of someone who accepts that position. And if they say, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, they mean it. They accept the responsibility of it and they take time every day to make sure that Jesus Christ is first and foremost in their thoughts. And if they spend time in the morning getting him in their thoughts by reading his teachings, then that's gonna affect what they think, how they feel and how they treat others during the day. So a true leader is somebody of commitment, not just convenience. Uh, also part of showing up is cheerfully giving of their time, their treasure, their talents for the Lord's mission. A church that's full of true leaders will not have 20% of the members doing 80% of the giving and the ministry.
Number six, leaders solve problems while others get into a dither and go, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Leaders just figure it out and get it done. And that's because number seven, true leaders see the bigger picture. They spend enough time with God on a regular basis that they can see everything from God's point of view and not just a limited human perspective. Since you and I are called to be the body of Christ in the world today, a poet wrote these lines. He has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead others on his way. He has no voice but our voice to tell how he died. He has no help but our help to lead them to his side. Frederick Beekner once gave a very challenging statement about that when he said, if people like you and me are the hands of Christ, will he be shorthanded? <laughs>